why couldn't he have just punched me in the face like a normal person? Probably because he wasn't a normal person, love. I thought the chainsaw was a big clue. <laughs> and today we're discussing Butcher and Blackbird by Bryn Weaver. I can't think of a single thing that I really didn't like about this book. Uh, nothing. Like, it was greatness from beginning to end. Yeah, it really was. I, like, the opening scene was perfect. The way he fangirls over her, <laughs> just chef's kiss. And I, I can't think of a single thing in the book that I didn't just absolutely love. Yeah, I agree. But if we're being nitpicky... We can go ahead and point out a few things. And one of the things that bothered me in the moment when I was reading the books is, or the book is that, like, as I was reading it, there were things in the moment that, like, irritated me. I'm like, oh, my gosh, how could she do this? Like, what's going on? But then later it got explained. And so one of the examples that I um, talked about was, like, when she came to the restaurant and he leaves after the chick, Anna, Mm, Emily. mm -hmm. I think it's. Anne or Annie or something. Anyways, the the other woman, I mean, she's not really the other woman, the chick yeah. comes up and like hugs him and kisses him on the cheek or like whatever. And then she leaves and he didn't go after her. And I was really upset by that because I was like, dude, like she just came all the way here. She left you that drawing. Like you have to go after her. She's your girl. Like you have to claim her. Yeah. You're her possessive motherfucker. Like that's what you're supposed to do. But he didn't. And then as we switch to his perspective, he explains, I can't do that. She's very stubborn. She's very set in her ways. If he would have ran after her, it would have pushed her away, which is why he does the whole, you know, tree thing with the dinner for a week, which I understood after it was explained. But in the moment, I was like, no, what are you doing? What the <laughs> like, hell? This can't be happening. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I feel like she did that really well. Like she tied things up in a way that helped with the plot and the character's development. And it wasn't just all pushed at the end to like try and wrap it up. Like, no, we progressed through the book and she did that. And so I appreciated it after the fact, right? but not in the moment. Yeah, <laughs> I can, I can appreciate that. I, oh man, I'm trying to think like, there's anything that really okay so again getting really nitpicky the one thing that irritated me is I feel like there's a big gap in explaining the David storyline that's in my notes too like if if I had to pick anything to be like what the hell is happening it, it it would be this because we you know think that david is completely incapable of um speaking and you know he's kind of has this persona of almost being like on the spectrum or like severely traumatized so like you know he's kind of shut down gone mute and they mention that they searched for this person and didn't get any information on him. But then once Sloane realizes that something's off after Rowan like ripped her heart out and stomped it on the ground, she realized it's David and she calls the brother and she's like, hey, give me all of the information on this person. And then she gets all of this information. <laughs> like, how did we not know this beforehand? <laughs> like, I don't, that was one thing that I just didn't make any sense to me. Agreed. And I didn't like that he so easily trapped Rowan. That didn't make any sense. 
Like, we knew something was happening, but in my mind, it was never him. I thought it was the other chick that was trying to keep him away from Sloane. I never once made the connection of David because he was insignificant. Yeah. Which, which, I, that's one thing that, like, I give Bryn kudos for because so often you are able to piece together like who like what is happening behind the scenes because you almost had like a plot within a plot in this book right like you have Rowan and Sloane's love story and like their competition and figuring out like how the two of them actually work together and so like that's a whole thing right you're like dealing with their trauma or like them deciding to have a relationship etc and then you also have just slightly mentioned like these little things that are happening in the restaurant like the range is not working or I can't remember the other instances but like all these little instances and Brent did a beautiful job of mentioning it so that if your reader is actually paying close attention, you can see things don't start going wrong until David's working at the restaurant, et cetera, et cetera. But I was so wrapped up in the in like Rowan and Sloan that I was t- like, I've worked in restaurants long enough to know like shit breaks all the time. <laughs> You know, so I was like, it is what it is. He owns a restaurant. Like, this doesn't have anything to really do with anything. And I should have known better. <laughs> so, good job, Bren. Just to play off that, she did it really well because it also doesn't start happening until after he meets Sloane and runs into that chick, True. right? So, it's kind of woven in as a, like, okay, is it because of David or is it because of Sloane and the other chick is jealous that now that he is in love with somebody else? I wasn't even, it wasn't even on my radar that that was an issue. I was just like, yeah, he owns a restaurant and shit breaks. <laughs> no, my thought process was is that if it wasn't her, it was somebody else in that, that friend group that was trying to pull him away. And one of the reasons why I say that is because when they're dancing, when he gets the award mm-hmm. and like they're giving off signals that, hey, you want to take this a little bit further? And he leaves her there. He leaves her there. Like, why would you leave her alone knowing that she came here to be with you and, you know, be your date? Why couldn't you take her with you to the restaurant when you got the call that something was happening? And And so that was part of the reason why I thought it was the chick, because maybe there was something that we weren't aware of that was happening, that he knew that she didn't like him being with Sloane. Interesting. Yeah. That's how that kind of like... Clicked for you. Yeah. And like, uh, there might have been a couple other things, but I can't remember. Interesting. But yeah. Yeah. So that bothered me. But... Again, she did so well of creating this story and like piecing together, you know, this puzzle that once we got to the end, besides, you know, the whole David fiasco thing, like it just, it wrapped up really beautifully. Yeah. I loved it. Like it was greatness. No, I, I, I completely agree. It, it is tied for first in my top reads of this year. I second that. Like I- 100%. And I don't reread books. I do more now, but they're very, very like few and far between. And we just finished this book initially back in August, I think. Mm-hmm. So we're in like late October now and I'm already rereading it. <laughs> like the audio version came out and y'all, first of all, I got the audio version for like $7.50. And I don't know if it's because I'm an Audible member or if that's like the regular price. I would have paid the $21. <laughs> 
that you normally see for audio because not only do you get uh, Joe Arden, who is oh, oh so sexy, yes, but they recorded it in a way that it is actually dual narrated. So instead of it being like Sloane reads her chapter or like, so Lucy Rivers reads like Sloane's chapter and does all of the accents and that kind of thing. And then Joe Arden does Rowan's chapter. They actually do their dialogue regardless of who the chapter is, which Ooh. what is so sexy. And you get the... Does Joe does an Irish accent? Yes, that's exactly what I was about to say is Joe does an Irish accent. And y'all, I just, it's phenomenal. It is phenomenal. Like I read it the first time. I loved it. Top read. But I think this may be like my favorite audiobook of all time, but definitely of 2023. Okay. That's high praise coming from you. <laughs> so highly recommend the audio. I definitely agree that it's a top read and I will probably have to purchase the audio now too, just to be able to hear Joe with an Irish accent because that's super sexy. Ugh. But to transition the conversation, we want to talk about some of our favorite scenes. Absolutely. Since we can't really pick, um, we really don't have any scenes or things that we like just detest and need to break down as to why they're crappy because it's such a good book. So yeah, we might as well praise all the things. All the things. You want to go first? You want me to? You can kick it off. Okay. So I think, yeah, the dinner scene is one of my favorites. <laughs> the accidental <laughs> cannibalism <laughs> i just i i love how like she's like do i tell him do i not tell him does he know does he not know like how does he not know like obviously there's a reason why we're here it's our yearly game right. like come on dude like connect the dots but i just thought that was really great and i thought that it showed a really i thought it was a really good high for their relationship because he puts himself in a vulnerable situation or position and she protects him yeah right i feel like that's a really good balance with them throughout the whole book but it was the first time in the book if i remember correct that she was in the seat of power yeah because the first time it was him when he let her out of the cage and then also him on their first kill when the guy was the peeping tom yes right and so this was her first time of being in that that seat of power and she protected him and took care of him and didn't take advantage and then i mean obviously she has to poke fun of him afterwards absolutely <laughs> you just have to like it wouldn't be Sloane if she did yes <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I really appreciated that for them. And I liked how Bryn didn't make, even though Sloane is a serial killer, she didn't make her this like damsel in distress in all of these situations. Oh, for sure. So I really liked that. And I love you. <sighs> Pass out. <laughs> I mean, isn't that the best way to tell the person that you love them for the first time? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> so great. Okay. Your turn. Oh, gosh. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I already know what scene you're going to talk about. <laughs> I love It's so dark, but I found it so atrociously funny but when they are at i think what was it harry henry harry's house of horrors harry's house of horrors yes first of all i love me some good alliteration like just yes <laughs> but when they're at harry's and they like they have him trapped like rowan and sloan both have him trapped i cannot remember how they did it but then sloan was like hold on i have this brilliant idea and she goes and gets <laughs> she goes and gets Harry's mom's corpse from the house and then uses the corpse to like 
Archer, Harry, and and Rowan's like, this is really dark. I'm just like, really? That's your line? Like, that's that's the line? And then when Harry dies, like, from the heart attack of <laughs> of the absolute like insanity of having his mom's corpse touch him and Sloane is like well that was a disappointment <laughs> that wasn't fun at all just I, I wanted it to go on longer yes oh my gosh I was rolling with that scene just oh my gosh it was hands down my favorite scene of the book that's where our opening quote comes from is that scene oh yeah it is. I was going to say, I also feel like that was the kill where Sloane realized how much she was falling for Rowan. Like, I was about to say something similar. Yeah. Like you have Rowan falls headfirst within the first chapter, you know, within the first like 10 pages of the book, I feel like. But it takes Sloane a lot longer to get there. And I feel like that whole situation was her kind of awakening to falling in love with him. Yeah, because the reason why she got punched in the face was because she thought he was in danger and went to go and save him. Yeah, so that's exactly what I was going to hint at. Well, kicked in the face. Oh, kicked in the face. In the face. In the no face. face. Like oh. boot print yeah. imprinted on her face. <laughs> yeah. So that was the that was the good turning point for her too. Yeah. But I also felt like there were little significant moments too, because I don't remember if when she goes to visit his restaurant, if that was before oh, or after that scene. Now I'm curious. Because I felt like that, I think it was before, and it was her idea, it was her way of coming open or accepting the idea of having feelings for him, because that's why she went there, right, was to see him. And then seeing the other chick kind of like, was like, oh, okay, maybe I was overthinking, maybe I was reading the signals wrong, let me back out. But then they have the dinner, well, not really dinner, but on the phone with her as she does the dinner, and like a couple of other things. That was so sweet. It was so cute. It was, and it's Harvey. His name's not Harry. It's Harvey. Oh, it's Harvey? Okay. Yeah, sorry. Harvey's House of Horrors. So I like that. I just think that the, the opening scene was great. Not just with the fangirling, but when they're, you know, looking at the little pasta creatures. Oh, yes. The Orzo pasta. And instead of, you know, opening the door to help her, he's just like, oh, yeah, look at them. <laughs> look at how fast they you know. <laughs> Asks her where she got her blade from, and he's she was like Etsy. <laughs> I don't remember that. I re- when I was re-listening to it this morning, it said that. I was like, oh my gosh, that's such like that's great. I love that she's like this badass serial killer who got her favorite blade from Etsy. <laughs> <laughs> Or the fact, you know, because the opening, she pretends not to know who he is. Yes. And then when they're at the restaurant, she lets it slip. And he's like, you do know me. You do know who I am. Yes. Okay. So the restaurant scene happens direct, almost directly after Harvey's House of Horrors. Like there's some time that passes after and then she goes to the restaurant. Okay. Yeah. See. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that kind of ties Mm -hmm. in. I have to say that I think this is one of the first books, at least in my limited memory that I can remember, that where I loved both the male main character and the female main character 
both equally. Yeah. Normally when we read some of these books, we like one or the other, or maybe we don't like either of them. But this is like one of the first ones where I absolutely love both of them. Like 100%. There is, there was never a time that I didn't, didn't like either one of them. Yeah, I completely agree. And I, and I really love that Bryn did such a beautiful job of balancing this is going to sound weird, but I like I'm a woo woo manifestation, like masculine, feminine energy person. And I feel like Brand did a beautiful job of Sloane balancing her like feminine, masculine energy and Rowan, you know, balancing his feminine, masculine energy. Because at no point, like you said already, like at no point was Sloan a damsel in distress. Like, did he have to rescue her a couple of times? Like, yeah. But she had to rescue him just as many times for different reasons. And I felt like there was no like toxic masculinity with Rowan. Like he was very much a hard on his sleeve kind of guy. And Sloane wasn't so traumatized by her past that she wasn't willing to open up to him, you know, as their relationship progressed. And I just, I feel like Bren navigated both of those scenarios so beautifully. I agree. And I also like that they have their own support system. So she has her friend, Mm -hmm. he has his brothers. I think that that really helps with them being able to cope with the darker side Mm -hmm. especially like his energy with his with his brothers i find that hilarious yeah they're great and quite interesting and then of course you know torturing his his baby brother when you know he sleeps with sloan for the first time oh uh, (laughs) yeah yeah i can't even remember why he is upset didn't he say he needed to say something over the phone before he would cut the the chick opens the door or is like who are you because they go to his house and he's like, well, I need you to confirm that it's you. And he has to say something. What was it? Oh, Maybe this okay. Up. Hold on. I might be making this up. I'm not far from that scene because it happens after Harvey's House of Horrors, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because she needs medical attention. I just think that the sibling dynamics, if it's done well, always brings me joy because I have younger siblings and I can relate. Oh. What does he do? What is he's got, he's got to say something on the phone. Yes. Let me see where Rose asks. Oh, okay. So Rose is with Fionn, the doctor, and the doctor asks Rose to ask Rowan to confirm his childhood nickname. <laughs> <laughs> and wasn't it shit thrower or something? Shit flicker. Shit flicker. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Shit flicker. You gotta love younger siblings. Gotta love it. That's greatness. Okay. I, I think it was when we were talking about like the things that like if we were getting nitpicky, like what bothered us. And one of the things that like I kind of questioned as they were getting away from these different murder scenes, like how are they not getting caught? Because, and, and granted, I, I don't know. I, I, it, I, it bugged me that they were able to so easily get away. So then my brain was like, okay, so how fun would it be? If they had like an FBI agent on the inside and he's helping them actually get away with murdering other serial killers. And I mean, but isn't, isn't his brother an FBI agent or a special agent? I don't, I don't think we know what his brother actually does. Lachlan? Lachlan. I don't think we know what his brother does yet. I don't think. I think we just, he, we just know like he has access to privy information. And your theory 
or canon that you have, I think is genius. Do you remember? Do you want me to share it? Does it? Isn't it like they? There's an FBI agent on the inside that helps them get away, but he also ends up falling in love with one of them. What was it? So that was the first part, and then as we continue to discuss, you were like, we were like, oh, what if it was the other chick? What if she was the FBI agent? Oh yeah, and was helping them cover up. And then I followed that up with, oh, what if she ends up with the guy that is sitting at the table at the end of book mm. one? Because what better way to get it rowing than to mess with his friends or family? Yes. And then they end up having a thing. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about how how the book ended with them being like stalked. Yeah. Oh, man. And we don't know who yeah. that is. I wonder if, I think at one point, at one point their goal was to try and find the person who killed like every few years in the woods or something. Oh, the National Parks guy. And I'm wondering if that's him. Interesting. Yeah, I'm wondering if that's him. That would make sense. But then this... This comes down to, though, okay, though, how does he know who Rowan and Sloan are and that they're serial killers? So that means he must have been following them a lot longer well, than them. And that's what irritates me. And granted, okay, so. Because the timeline is a little mixed up. I love the timeline. I love the way she navigates the timeline. That's one, like, this is going to sound weird. I have, like, a kink <laughs> for a well-done timeline in a book. Like, there are few, I mean, it's the weirdest thing. But, like, I'm not even kidding you. When someone navigates, like, a great timeline, I'm like, yes! <laughs> Give me that one-year separation! <laughs> I love you so much. But, okay, so going back, one of the things, like I said, that bugs me is that they get away with it, right? But you have to think the FBI has to deal with every single serial killer you know, plus everything else that like their jurisdiction covers right across the United States. But serial killers, especially serial killers who kill serial killers, say that three times fast. Do we call those vigilantes? Vigilantes, sure. That pool is going to be a lot smaller. So if a serial killer who keeps a tab on like the community notices that these other serial killers are being killed off once a year or like in this certain area or in this certain area, I think it's going to be much easier for a serial killer to figure out who that is versus the FBI. I want to challenge that just a little bit because Do it. the serial killers or the FBI don't know that the vigilantes are the ones that are doing the killing, right? Because all serial killers have a profile. Sloan is the mm -hmm. weaver. So irregardless of if she kills a serial killer, the FBI may not know that that person that she killed is a serial killer. It's just a victim. I like where you're where you're going with it. And I think that's a, that, that's a really good idea. But maybe we won't know until we get to... Book two or three. The next yeah. book. Yeah. But... Maybe. Because now I'm curious if this is serial killer rom-com. I never thought I'd say that ever right <laughs> which just means that this book is just that much better yes to be able to say that is rowan's brothers also serial killers yes right one definitely is which one i think lark i think lark is not lark lachlan is definitely a serial killer. yeah lachlan i'm i'm like i'd be willing to bet 
a decent amount of money that Lachlan's a serial killer because I think Rowan confirms it in book or one. Or he's just a killer. Well, yeah. yeah, I'm 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 not saying like he like always kills serial killers, although I do think that's what he does. And then I think Fion or okay. Fion, I don't think he does. I just call him Finn. <laughs> I just ignore the O because it doesn't make any sense to me. There you go. I just go with Finn. But him as a doctor, that would be really interesting. Yeah. As being a killer or serial killer. I don't know. It's going to be curious. I can't wait. I'm so happy that her book got picked yes. up. You know, because I think she did tradi- She did indie mm-hmm. publishing and now it's traditionally mm-hmm. published. I just hope that by it being picked up, that it doesn't kill her voice. That's why. That's why I was, I was thinking about that this morning. Because when you when you do traditional publishing they have more say in what you can do or not do or what you're limited whereas where she was self-publishing she could put whatever she wanted in there and so i hope that when book two whenever it comes out is not trash yeah i agree and i'm really looking forward to i'm hoping at least at least in book two getting more of sloan's backstory but because it's so intertwined with lark i feel like that we're going to get all of it in book two through Lark's story. But I was very curious as to how Sloane became a serial killer. Agreed. I guess we don't know how, why Rowan became a serial killer either, do we? Do we? Um, I think it's, so it's both, it's hinted with both Sloan and Rowan. So Sloan is a trigger from what was happening to Lark. Mm-hmm. But again, I feel like we need more because just because your friend is being abused in some way is not enough. Make you go all... Murderous? Serial killery, stabby. Stabby. I like stabby better. I like stabby too. Make you go all stabby. Um, but with Rowan, I think it was because of the abuse from the, their father. Oh, that's and that they finally right. got tired of being beaten. And if I'm not mistaken, I think his first kill was yeah, his father. I, I, I think you're right. And then he he realized the release and the power that gave him, and so he wanted to make sure that other people mm-hmm. weren't hurt. And so that's why he started kill, killing killing serial killers. Yeah. Was to protect the innocent like they weren't protected. Yeah. I like so, it. Do we have any other favorite scenes? I feel like there's a lot of little scenes. I, there's like a lot of little things. I mean, yeah. it was just a great book. It was a great book. I would say my my other favorite scene was when he shows her the Butcher and Blackbird restaurant. And like he always puts her booth yeah. equidistant between the front and back exits. That was – that makes your, your mushy romantic yes. heart happy, doesn't yes. it? Yes. I would, that, and that's what I loved about this book is I'm a big old softy at the heart of things, and I'm enjoying a lot of these dark romance reads. But I think that's why I loved Butcher and Blackbird so much is I got all of my like giddiness while still you know dealing with like the mystery and the serial killing and like all of that fun stuff. Yeah, I agree. And then the few sex scenes that we did get were pretty hot. That was one thing we talked about before was the the very long. <laughs> sex scenes you know that we got i think it went two chapters three chapters i don't remember two chapters that was it was a long one and it it got to a point it was it was very hot but i feel like the last round that they did i was like (laughs) y'all there's no way like look at this point at this point it's like four years of foreplay (laughs) (laughs) that's that's fair that's fair But yeah, I, I, I'm okay with like suspending plausibility in a lot of scenarios. I mean, hello. But that last round, I was just like, she needs to rest. She just got her ass kicked. Like, let the girl sleep. Um, That is like the best way to heal. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh. 
I do also have to say, though, I loved, I love that he was kind of like a softie, yes. you know, because like he kept the napkin, the napkin, the restaurant that he made for them. Like he was just, yeah, once he met her, he knew like, you're my soulmate. Like, that's it. I now have to figure out how to keep you in my life, build our lives together and show it in a way that's not going to have her running. Yeah. And I think even though it went against his instincts that he did it. A phenomenal job. I completely, completely agree. I just, I loved that he, I mean, he told her at their first meeting that she was going to love him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like. Yeah, he called it. Yeah. And I think this has been one of the best love at first sight novels I have ever read. Oh, 100%. That I can remember. Yeah. That's the important 100%. part. 100%. Well, and the nice thing about it is. Yes, it's love at first sight, but he had been like following her career progression, for lack of a better word, <laughs> you know, and had already been impressed with her like her portfolio. Yes, her portfolio. He had already been impressed with her kills and her webs, and like he was thinking, "Oh, this is definitely a woman." And the FBI is like, "It's not even on their radar." So when he actually meets her, he's like, "Not only is it confirmed, but she is gorgeous." <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think. I think there's only is another thing that made your mushy heart happy was the color. Yes. It did make my mushy heart happy. Let's talk about all the things that make Jen's heart mushy. Uh, okay. So when. A timeline. No. <laughs> a timeline. Yes. A good timeline. Let's see. I'm going to pull up my quotes. Uh, da, da, da. Okay, so this is in chapter 23 when she was doing the tattoo to cover up where David had sliced him, right? I think so, yeah. Okay, so she, she draws the tattoo, gives it to the artist, and then he doesn't get to see it until it's finished. And he says, you dig color, he whispers, but he still doesn't let go. I smile in Rowan's arms. What can I say, Butcher? I guess you brought it out of me. And I just, I just, <laughs> oh, it's so sweet. Like, it's just, it's so sweet. And, oh, and then the other one, and it, and it happens at Harvey's House of Horse. I just love that entire chapter. Like, Bryn, that chapter was just perfection but it's when like you see the devastation on rowan's face so a flash of lightning illuminates rowan's face searing it into my memory forever his lips are parted and i can almost hear the sharp intake of breath as his gaze snares on my misshapen shoulder and missing shirt his features are anguish and fury painted in light and rain beautiful and haunting and terrifying like she has a way with words. Uh, like just the way she weaves those sentences together and you feel his almost desperation and seeing her as hurt as she is and she sees it like really for the first time, like how in love he is with her is just, it just makes me so happy. <laughs> and then, and then the other thing that I can think of is how he proposed like grotesque, Absolutely. But perfect for those two. Like, just... And really creative. Very creative. Like... Totally outside the box. Yes. Yeah. So, I... Yeah. I love... And I love that he picks on her about the difference between gouging and plucking the eyes out. She's like, I pluck them out like a lady. <laughs> I forgot yes. about that. Yep. 
it's literally those little yeah. details in the book that keep you captivated and keep on reading and make it so great. It's not necessarily the whole picture over the or the overall story arc. It's those little things that just happen sprinkled throughout the book that you're just like, oh my gosh, yeah. I love this. And you kind of sort of forget that, oh, they're really serial killers. Like they're killing people. Like, like this is supposed to be very but, dark. Nope. <laughs> it's a light, dark romance. Yes. Even though it's definitely a five on the bone scale. That's what I was about to say. Are we ready to start reading it? Uh, yeah, apparently. Yeah. You jumped the gun. Sorry. Down. You jumped the gun. Sorry. I agree. It It's five. It has it all. It has. And even though we're laughing, it still has it because mm-hmm. it has the environment. It has the themes. Everything's on the page. Yep. I mean. It's a very explicit. I, I mean, accidental cannibalism. And intentional cannibalism. <laughs> very two important distinctions. Okay. Like, one of the things that grosses me out, and it'll pop in my head every now I don't know if you have that happen with, like, books. cookie cream, ice cream. No, it's not the ice cream scene, which is, like, what most people would think about. No, it is when David slurps Rowan's skin like spaghetti. That. Wait, what? Do you not remember this? I don't remember that. When is David looking? He has. Rowan. No. No. So. Rowan is tied down to the chair and David is using a mandolin on his arm to make strips of fettuccine skin. And he puts it in his mouth and slurps it like spaghetti and says this was a delicacy that the guy that they killed. Okay. That, that gives me the biggest ick. I must have blocked it out because I don't remember that happening at all. Seriously, there are times where I'll just be walking around and I'm like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> it's terrible. Why the fuck is that just popping into your head randomly? I don't know. <laughs> There's no telling. This is why we're friends. You're not wrong. Yeah, so I would definitely give it five. And then spicy, how would you rate it? Because we only have two full sex scenes Mm -hmm. the first time Mm -hmm. when they're in the booth and then one oral slash cockworming scene in the kitchen, I think. Mm -hmm. I think the other ones are kind of like when they're in the apartment is like closed door, fade to black or something. But those are the only two and a half that I remember. Yeah, I think I would say probably three chili peppers because like the very first time goes on for so long and it's slightly kinky and it's a very explicit and then you only get the the two other scenes yeah so three is making us sweat and four is smutty five is kinky and smutty. i wouldn't i don't think like their relationship is very kinky and i don't think the book is very smutty Mm-mm. like you get i agree i would give it three yeah. peppers yeah I, f- I feel like that's a good medium for what we get. I just wish we would have had a couple of more. Yeah, I could have I I could have been okay with the first time being a scene or even maybe two scenes less and getting it more like when they move in together and their relationship is developing. Yeah, I can agree with that. Now, granted, I think part of the reason she didn't do that is to set up Rowan and Sloane's falling out because they were already like drifting apart because he was so busy and they you know she was kind of questioning her place in his life and that sort of thing so i feel like that play all played into that final scene but i could have i don't remember that i probably blocked out because i didn't like that (laughs) yeah okay and then so overall rating 
Five stars? Five. Yeah. Ten stars? Like 111 stars? Absolutely. It's just all of the stars? <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, I definitely agree. Five stars, top read. At least in the top five of the year so far that I can remember. Mm. And we'll have a special episode, hopefully, coming up where we talk about our favorite reads of the year. Yes. And then... And our least favorites. Yeah, and our least favorites. That's going to be interesting. Yeah. Anything else? I don't think so. Did we hit everything? I think we did. I think, yeah, I think we covered everything. Okay, readers, and where does the darkness rate with you? Thank you for joining us on the journey into the shadows of love, where dark romance stories come to light. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Bones of the Story as much as we did. If you did, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Your feedback means the world to us. And to stay updated on all things dark romance, follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. We'd also love to hear from you. Share your thoughts, ideas, or even your own dark romance stories with us. Drop us a line at bonesofthestory at gmail.com. Remember, our next tantalizing episode is just a the corner so keep your hearts open and your senses sharp until then embrace the darkness and let the stories continue to stir your deepest desires this is misty and jen signing, signing off from, from bones, bones of the story, story.